Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And tonight we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 16. Um, this really ends a section that Paul was, was talking about. Um, and then starting with verses 17 on, Paul starts to talk about his suffering and stuff. But uh, we'll get into that next week. Now, again, this is ending this section where Paul was talking about how um, he had this great love for the Corinthians and that, uh, that he you know, had been attacked by these false teachers and, and, uh, and that he had not taken any, uh, anything from the Corinthian church. And we're going to look at why he didn't take anything from them, um, how he had worked as a tent maker, and then whenever he devoted himself fully to the, the ministry there, at Corinth, he started to receive help from Macedonia, the churches in Macedonia, instead of taking any help from the Corinthian church. And there was a reason he did that. And he talks about that reason. So look at, we'll start with verse, instead of starting verse 10, let's start with verse 9. <clears throat> we'll look back a verse to get into the this idea that he's talking about thought that he's talking about. He says, And when I was present with you and had need, I was not slothful to the hindrance of any man. For that which was lacking unto me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied, and all things I kept, and will keep myself, that I should not be grievous unto you. The truth of Christ is in me, that this rejoicing shall not be shut up against me in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. But what I do, that will I do, that I may cut any away any occasion from them which desire occasion, that they might be found like unto us in that wherein they rejoice. For such false prophets are deceitful workers, and transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing though his ministers transform themselves as though they were the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I say again, let no man think that I am foolish, or else take me even as a fool, that I may boast myself a little. Okay. Um, I just read that extra verse just to, to finish that thought. Now, Paul starts out by talking about, in verse 9, how he was, when he was present and had need, he wasn't slothful. He worked as a tent maker. He, now this was, if you think about it, this was at the beginning of his ministry. At the beginning of his ministry in Corinth, he worked as that tent maker. And he did this to support himself. Now, why do you think he would do that at the beginning of his ministry in Corinth? Why do you think he did it at the beginning? 
Well, the show people maybe wasn't getting off them. I mean, he would take care of himself. To show people that he wasn't getting off them. His job was to tell people about Jesus. His job was to tell people about Jesus. Anybody else? Let's think about something else here. When he first got to Corinth, was there a church at Corinth? No. No, so he had to support himself. He went in there and set up a tent-making business to support himself so he could build that church up. And what he would do, and we see this from Acts, he would first go into the synagogue and start preaching and telling people about Jesus. And then when he, he finally left the Jews and started to just focus on the Gentiles, he would go to these meeting halls or lecture areas where the Gentiles would gather and he would talk to them. But his, his thing was to build up that community of Christians to get people saved so he could found this church. And then once that church was started, he would not take any support from that church at Corinth. Instead, he would continue to work as a tent maker. And then once that church had grown, Paul would start to devote himself solely to their teaching or to teaching them and to growing that church. And then he would need help. But what happens at Corinth, he didn't take any money from them to help support him, even though they offered. And there were reasons he did that, and that's what he's talking about. Because when he didn't take any money from them, what happens? If I, if, if I know you're in need, and I go over to you and I say, well, hey, Steve, here's $20, and you say, no, I don't want your money, what will that do to me? That will offend me. So what happens is, is Paul, they had offered Paul help, and he said, no, I don't want your money. They got offended by it. So in the letter here, in the letter here, he is explaining to them why he didn't take their money. That's what he starts to do. So, You know, in not taking help from the church at Corinth, they got offended by that. Because generally, if people are going to offer you help and you don't take it, they're going to get offended. So what Paul tells them is the reasons he didn't take the money from them. And this is what he's talking about when um, when he says, The truth of Christ is in me, that this rejoicing should not be shut up against me in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. So what he's saying is, is he's saying, I'm going to continue to tell people why I didn't take money from y'all. Why I didn't accept this help. And then what that wherefore, because I love you not, he's, he's saying it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I don't love you. I love you. And it's not because I was angry. I wasn't angry. 
And Paul says, you know, I'm going to continue to boast about this because I don't want people to think that I was mad at you and I didn't take this money. And I don't want y'all to think that I was mad at you. But the reasons he did this, and if you think about it, the first is, and we don't really see it here, this is just an idea that I have, is he didn't want to be beholden to anyone in that church because it was a new church. He didn't want people to think that someone had influence over him. He wanted to remain impartial. Because if, if you know, centurion such and such gave him, you know, a hundred dollars for support and peasant John over here gave him a dollar, people are going to think he's partial to, you know, he's going to be partial to the centurion. So one thing was, is I believe he wanted to remain impartial because he loved the people at Corinth. He wanted people not to think he was beholden to anyone there in this church. Because you've got to remember, even though Corinth was a Greek city, it was a city in the Roman Empire. It was a Gentile city. And the Roman power structure, a lot of people would buy their way into power. And Paul did not want people to think this. And money had a lot of influence with the Romans. If you were a landowner, you could be a governor somewhere. Money, money meant power. Land meant power to the Romans. Huh? Hasn't changed. Because think about something. The United States, Great Britain, Germany, all these different countries have Roman styles of government. And you can see how much we were influenced by the Roman Empire. Just look at our Colosseums, our sporting arenas. They're modeled after the Colosseum in Rome. So even our laws are based on Roman law. And so Paul did not want people to think that he was partial. So he wanted to stay impartial. So instead of taking support from the church at Corinth, when the church got started, he worked for himself and supported himself. And then when he had to devote all that time to the church and growing the church, he started to receive help from Macedonia, from the churches in Macedonia. Another reason we see is in verses 12 and 13. Look at what he says. But what I do, that will I do that I may cut away a Occasion from them which desire occasion that they might be found like unto us and that wherein they rejoice. For such false apostles are deceitful workers and transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. So another reason was these false teachers and false apostles were going around spreading false doctrine and being supported by these churches. And then if they could sit there and say, hey, Paul supports himself by a church, we're going to continue to do this, it would give them occasion to do these things. So Paul said he wanted to do this, 
he did this at Corinth to cut off any occasion his opponents would have in saying that he was partial, that he was taking money from this church, and it would also cut off occasion of the false teachers to say, hey, we're doing the same thing Paul's doing. Now that they were doing that, that they're still taking money from these churches and gaining from their ministries, Paul could say, a true apostle doesn't do that. I didn't take any money from the church at Corinth. I was supported by other churches and I worked for myself. So he's, he's really cutting off their argument. Any questions on that? So basically it cut off his opponents the occasion to attack him or to say they're doing the same thing he's doing. Now, and then he says, he explains who his opponents are. And look at what he says. He says, For such false apostles are deceitful workers and transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. So his opponents were these false teachers, these false apostles, that they were deceitful workers and they pretended to be apostles of Jesus Christ. But they worked for their own gain. Now Paul tells us something that is very scary here. And I want y'all to look at what he says. He says they transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. And then look at verse 14. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So what he's saying here is, is you can have a false teacher and they make themselves look good. They transform themselves where you can't really tell the difference between them and a true apostle until you start digging into their doctrine. Because, think about it, if someone is a false teacher, what are they not going to be doing? They're not going to be teaching the Bible. They're going to be teaching false doctrine. And he said we shouldn't marvel at that, that they can do that. Why? Because he says Satan does it. Satan can do it. And how can Satan do it? Because Satan was the most powerful angel God created. He was also the most beautiful angel God created. And what Satan does is he transforms himself into an angel of light to make himself look appealing. This is what he did in the Garden of Eden with Eve. He possessed the serpent. Well, if you think about it, when serpents had legs, because what did God do? He removed their legs. But when they had legs, if you think about it, think about a snake that had legs. How beautiful that would be and how it would move. It would be a sight to behold. Well, Satan used a beautiful animal to tempt Eve. He transformed himself into something that looked good. 
And if you think about something else, Eve was so innocent when she saw this snake talking to her, she didn't think anything about it. She didn't know this animal shouldn't be talking to her because she was innocent. And Satan looked good. Satan appealed to Eve. But he did the same thing to Christ. He tried to appeal to the good things that Christ represented, transforming himself into an angel of light. And we shouldn't marvel if, if a false teacher can do it. We shouldn't marvel at that because Satan does it. And Jameson Fawcett Brown wrote, if their master, talking about the false prophet, if their master himself, the prince of darkness, the most alien to light, because think about it, Satan represents evil, the opposite of light. If he says the prince of darkness, the most alien to light, does so, transforming himself into an angel of light, it is less marvelous in his servants. We shouldn't be surprised. But what happens when we hear those false teachers and some of the stuff that they're saying, we get surprised by it. But we shouldn't be surprised. And what do they do? They go against the word of God and they spread all this falsehood. And what do people do? People follow it because it sounds good. They tickle the ears of the people and say what people want to hear, making themselves look good and making preachers of righteousness, the preachers that follow the Bible, look bad. That's what false prophets do, false teachers do. So we shouldn't be surprised by the false teachers because even Satan can transform himself to look good. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, therefore, it is no great thing, though his ministers transfer themselves, transform themselves as though they were ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So he, he adds to that, and this is where we'll stop, in the end, they're going to be rewarded according to their works. And what reward will they have? Hell. Eternal damnation. Any questions or comments? We'll stop there. Well, yes and no. He looks good to appeal to people that think that they're good. And then he, he can make himself look evil to appeal to people that are very base in their morals and evil. Because think about it, you have people that are so evil they worship him. And they know they worship him. So he appeals to both. He'll make himself look good so he can get into a church and affect a church. And then he'll make himself look bad so all these Satan worshipers will worship him. Yeah. So he, he does both. He does both. And he's been doing it for thousands of years. He's been doing it for thousands of years. And Paul is saying we shouldn't be surprised when we see a false teacher 
doing all this because Satan does it. And if Satan can do it and make himself look good, the most evil being that there is, we shouldn't be surprised by a human that does it. But it is amazing, like you said, that he can do it. And that if he didn't do it, you know, the people in the church wouldn't follow him because they would see him. But there are people in the world that would still follow him. Because think about it. In the book of Revelation, what happens? Satan has been bound by a thousand or bound for a thousand years, cast in the bottomless pit. Jesus Christ has ruled on the earth for a thousand years. So you have people that are actually being ruled by Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Now it says he rules with a rod of iron. He's not going to put up with sin. But what happens when Satan is released, even though Christ has ruled for a thousand years, he's still able to go out and deceive people and form an army to march on Jerusalem with this army. And then God intervenes and destroys it and casts him into the lake of fire. So if it just shows how sinful people are, they have been ruled by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and then they rebel against him right to his face. Humans are evil. You know, they're... The Bible is correct when he says there's no, none good, no, not one. Filthy rags. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day that you provided. We thank you, Lord, for your word and that we can learn from your word. And I just pray, Lord, that you would be with us as we go our separate ways and just keep us safe at the next appointed time. I just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.